1: Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Deney. This is Gus Poyet.
0: This is Don Hutchison. This is your club, and you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter. Thank
2: you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed plus lots of bonus content including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly q a so do please go to patreon.com forward slash graham hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so maybe even strangers in the street love you This is the Big Interview episode with Oriol Romeo. It's rare that we start one of the podcasts with a blast of etymology, but that's the mood that Oriol and I were in when we sat down in the Hotel Duvan in Winchester, breaking down words, language, language, learning. Because remember, this Spanish man came to England when he was quite young, is now immensely articulate in what is his third language, given that he speaks Catalan and Spanish. And that made this an interesting episode. Please remember that the the way he was taught in the Barca Academy was something that was pretty alien in English football at that time. Oriol had to adapt quickly to much more vertical football, much more ebb and flow football. He had to realise what the concept of winning the second ball was. He came to the realisation that, I'll have fewer touches on the ball so I have to make extra sure that those touches are good. There's a remarkable tale in here about Oriol reaching out to uh, yeah, that phrase is so contagious I've even just used it despite hating it to Chavi, What Oriol wanted to do was to improve himself to examine how he was playing even as a fixture under Ralph who's at Southampton and he wanted to to work out how he could improve little details, particularly the intensity of his concentration. So, he messaged Chavi Hernandez. Listen to what Chavi said when he got back to him. There's good analysis here from Oriol, who clearly understands football way beyond his own individual role in the Southampton team. His point about why the traditional number 10 is disappearing for football, the use of wide areas, getting in behind um, defences... And why Oriol's regard, I guess like yours and mine, for guys like Kevin De Bruyne, is so high. So look, this is part one of Oriol Romeo. There are good stories in here. He's a likeable, intelligent man. I think that you're going to love this listen. I believe so, otherwise I wouldn't promise you it. And there's his dream 5 aside side in it. <sighs> Who joins Danny Parejo? Who joins John Terry? Yeah, there's three players missing. And is there a a goalie? Listen in and find out. Big interview listeners. This is a happy story because um, I parachuted my, my noisy Scottish presence into the life of Oriol Romeo out of the blue and said, "Um, hey maestro, is there there any chance of speaking to us? And after a short period of reflection he said yes, and therefore we find ourselves at the beautiful pine tables in the Hotel Duvan in Winchester, talking to a fabulous midfield organiser who split his life between Spain and Germany and England, talking to Oriol Romeo. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
2: How was your coffee? Lovely, very Perfect. good. There's nothing deep about my first question, Oriol. If I asked you to identify the biggest, most impactful cultural change for you and your life about living here in England for quite some years now, compared to living in Catalonia or compared to living in Spain, across the range of possible answers, what would you go for? I'd say the
1: probably most important Thing is, is is getting used to the changes and getting used to adapting to a new culture as soon as you can. Um, moving to the UK when I was younger, language, new culture, new people, uh, it was com- everything completely different. And I knew that I had to go and, and get everything as, as quick as I could. The, I have to say, the English uh, people, they've always treated me amazingly and I've always felt welcome. And I think you agree with me, once you're trying to introduce yourself into a culture and when you try to do, learn a language, be one more of them, they, they will open the arms and, and treat you as, as one more, and that's lovely.
2: What was the method you used to try and learn our mad, crazy language? Because as somebody, I think, I'm, I would bet I speak less grammatically good Spanish than your English. Your English, I think, is superior But I did what I always do in life. I just stumbled along, picking up things here and there, like a jumble sale with words and phrases and and repeating them. What was your tactic to dominating? And also, what people listening might not know is our language is full of tricks. Words look one way and sound something else. More or less in Spanish, words kind of sound like they look, which is a big help.
1: Yeah, English is a tough language to learn, but it's a nice language. And I always love the fact of getting to... Speak new languages uh, when I moved here, my level was, was was very little like i couldn't really I could barely speak and uh, luckily enough we I moved in uh, alongside Mata, so we were both together, we were both as lost as, as, <laughs> as we could uh, have been at that time and then we had lessons together. I think we pushed each other to uh-huh. improve and get better, and that was competitively. That was, in a good way yeah in a good way Um, and oh have you you heard of that word have you heard of that uh, sentence or that phrasal verb that we were just learning and that was good that was great and within a few months we were already able to understand the gaffer understand the players and, and getting more
2: into these Dressing rooms, routines. Like chromos, like, like football cards. I'll swap you this word for that word, yeah. that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I remember screw up was one, goose,
2: goosebumps.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we were at those words. Oh, but, heard them? oh that's a good cool one.
2: That one. Goosebumps in English sounds really weird. But it exists in Spanish too, doesn't it? Yeah, Piel de gallina, no, yeah. it's more or less the same. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a funny similar. word, now that you say it. It's a really, <laughs> it is a really funny word. Let's talk about connections. We, we've got fantastic people, socios we call them, who've supported us throughout all our lives, which is we're on our sixth. But in fact, I think you're our sixth birthday episode. So thank you. Oh. And one example is Gary Harding. So when we told our socios that we had Oriol coming on and he said I love this as a Saints fan I've got huge respect for Oriol. as well as being an important member of our team he seems like a classy and considerate human being not bad (laughs) what has continued to impress me is his ability to win over new managers with different styles who on first look might have thought I don't know if he fits or he doesn't and therefore Gary says to my eye Oriol seems to be incredibly tactically aware. But what does he put his success down to? And I'm not going to steal Gary's question, but in all the things we've learned about you, we have you noted down as, as a guy who's very driven, driven about how to push himself to his extremes and who's open to learning different concepts and trying to apply them to daily life. Does has Gary touched on something that you recognised, and is, is the way that we interpret you accurate? I like that someone that's seen me for the last maybe Gary seen me
1: for the last seven years that I've been in Southampton things of me like that. I think it's it's a very good compliment, and that's my aim. That's my goal to get used to what you have to do. Sometimes um, I I need to be honest with myself that you're not a player that the team can be molded around you, you need to get used to what the gaffer wants, what your player around you want, and then you can have your best, the best version of yourself. So, we've had managers that wanted to play a lot more with the ball, uh, now we have a manager that loves pressing high, uh, loads of energy, so I knew I had to change a little bit my even my body, the way I was looking and thinking of football. I, I, grow, I grew up in Barcelona, we used to have loads of ball possession, backwards pass would, would be even good whereas now it's not we're not playing backwards we're always playing forward and that's changed but but I, I think I've grown within that change and I've always tried to see the positives of every every little change that we've had and uh, football is a is a game that luckily has many different stories and many different good managers that uh, see it in a different way but they can be successful regardless And and, and that's the beauty of it I think the different approaches that can always be successful. And I always try to think, okay, this is now going to be the next challenge, but I try to make the most of it.
2: Before we come back to you and your, your really intense journey to try and maximize yourself, you're very self demanding. You, you're living and thriving, succeeding in a culture where I think from my perspective, having been 20 years out of this country and 20 years in your country, the Premier League in general, if, if I can use that expression, because each year a coach changes or... But if you conglomerate everything, 20 years ago the idea about must keep the ball, must have the ball, was not dominant here at all. And still, I don't think it's dominant. It is changing. But you've had to live in a, in a culture whereby mistakes aren't that important if they're mistakes going forward with the ball. The idea of making a speculative pass, as long as you then win it back or as long as there's dynamism in the media, amongst the fans, amongst a lot of British players and coaches, the very thing that you were trained to do, the very thing that you live to try and do better now is still not the dominant factor in the football culture where you've succeeded, right? I
1: agree, I agree. It's still not there. It has improved or increased a lot more than even 10 years ago when I, when I came to Chelsea. Chelsea. But it's still uh, now we have these German coaches with with this uh, German school of high pressing, high intensity, rest, defense, counter attacks, and 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 they want they want offensive football. They want vertical balls. They they don't want possession for the for the fact of having possession. They just want to hurt opponents. And, and and I and I like that. But but to be honest, when I when I played with the national team on the 21s, 90s with, with great players or B, or even some matches with the first team. Having the ball was was an was an unnegotiable thing. You had to have the ball in order to attack. Whereas now, does having the ball doesn't mean that you're
2: going to win games? And it, it's a different approach, but I, I quite like it as well. As much as you talked about needing to change physically, and you were talking about you know recently, where when did the battle mentally begin about going? It's not essential essential to live like Busquets or Xavi or Iniesta. In this culture, and, and from my opinion, from what we've learned in this interview series, and, and from what we've learned from watching continental football, there's a risk factor in Spanish football where the risk is about show for the ball in difficult circumstances. A breakthrough pass once you've moved the other team around needs to accept a little bit of risk. Here. The risk factor is completely different. It's, you must have had to rewire your brain, never mind the physique or the stamina or the pressing. At first, you must have had to go, wait, wait, Oriel, people don't think like this. How, how did that happen? When did that begin? I think that's a learning
1: process, and it all comes down to having different obstacles, difficulties where you're thinking, I'm not feeling comfortable, what, what can I change, what can I do? Uh, and then changing your... Way of understand understanding the game, right? Like this is not the way I thought I was gonna play for the rest of my career. Now ball gets to the fullbacks and it doesn't come back to the middle. Uh, in Spain, we will switch the ball three or four times before we we'll go forward. Whereas now you go to one side and you go forward, and and you would touch the ball probably two times less or a lot less than than you would in Spain. And and that's something that okay, I'm going to touch the ball less, but at least I want to make sure that those balls that I'm touching are good ones. And I'm in good positions and I'm then getting second balls. Uh, I remember when I got Rafa Benitez at Chelsea as well, he was very demanding on the importance of second balls, second balls, second balls. And, and it is true, in English football, whoever wins second balls is going to have bigger chances to then attack again and, and, and get more pressure. With the the oppo-
2: if you win the second ball, maybe the opponent is a little bit more ragged, a little bit more out, displaced. Out of position, and then you can
1: go again. Second balls were never an issue in Spain. No, no one's thinking of second balls in Spain. And here, it's, it's a game changer. If you win second balls, you nearly win all the games. So it's, it's things that you've been learning throughout your career. And, of course, the... Probably sometimes the longer you are in a place, the more you get to see new things and understand them and see
2: why everything's happening. You've sparked a light bulb in my head. Let me ask you I don't know if you watch both games, but that second ball idea, as Spain's football, irrespective of if a big team in Spain has a German or an Albanian or whatever in the t- Spanish football, if we can call it that, has been the predominant force in the world, not just Europe for the majority of my years in Spain. Hmm. But we've seen such changes in culture, diet, coaching, player development in England, and also big budgets in England, that gradually over the last three years, something has changed. And I want to compare, based on what you said about, say, second balls, last year when Atleti and Real Madrid couldn't compete with Chelsea, and, and the score lines were still quite tight. Madrid beat Chelsea in Bernabeu but lost 2-0, 2-0 looking like 4-0 at the bridge. And this season, not. It feels like Madrid, for example, have just in the year, they're not suddenly a thousand times quicker or whatever, but the concept of second balls, the concept of where to compete and that quality of possession and strolling around doing intelligent things isn't enough... The gap seemed to have narrowed or changed over the year if we simply take those two as a litmus test, those two games. Madrid losing here and going out of the competition in the semi-final, clearly a year ago, and now their tie isn't resolved, as we speak, but going and winning their 3 one not just because of the genius of the goals, but competing differently, I thought. Yeah, the game was Madrid, the way they approached it, I think
1: it was very clever, they they probably learned from their mistakes, and and they were very solid. I saw a very solid defensive team, but also when they were moving forward, they were always that cross from Modric to Benzema first touch in. Uh, it's something that you you gotta have a communi- communication before or understand each other a lot, like knowing that that's gonna happen because the way they move with this synchronization they had, the quick, the the the, the fast they were. It was it was real the same same first cross with Benzema and the header. I know there were great goals and, and he was a great finish, but you could see they were very ready to hurt him quickly and, and how they approached every contact and everything and how they went defensively and they have like we played Chelsea and, and they're a very good team and, and they got very many options up front and they can hurt you if you give them spaces and chances. But the way Madrid organized uh, the team defensively, I think it was on.
2: Before the rest of this big interview, I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews, and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rogers, and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks.
3: How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
2: With what you said about Rafa's teaching and the gap that that did exist between the slightly slower, more methodical idea of La Liga football and the gap that was beginning to emerge, if you think about Barcelona-Liverpool, for example, in the now it felt like the, the gap was moving t- too big and now maybe it's beginning to close. I f- you've made me feel a little bit like, I don't know if in school you used to look at the back of the book or look at somebody else's homework. I've cheated a little bit because you talked about <laughs> First ball in possession and whatever. And one of the most beautiful things either Martin or I have read recently is your book where you, you decide that there might be a way to learn a little bit more by, by speaking to a maestro. So Chabi, who occasionally WhatsApps what's up as, as, as well, and, and always I get back fun and he's interesting. And recently I watched him doing a briefing for the media off the record and it was 40 minutes of just like, it was like being in... Harvard so you got in touch with Xavi what were you asking him and I've read the responses because you published them yeah. give us the detail of what he was trying to explain to you in order to to aid your development what, give yeah. us the full picture
1: yeah you see and, and I know that you made me these questions his answer is probably defining the way he understood football as well my thing was I was feeling that I was playing good and enjoying myself but there were a couple of actions during the game that I was giving the ball away too easily or I was not fully on it and then me alongside another guy that helps me to analyse games and, and Damian. Damian yeah, tactically he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, I think he's a very bright guy we thought who, which player can we watch in order to get you understand how, how you can be fully focused during the 90 minutes and then of course Xavi came to our head, he was a player that I can remember him missing a pass or having a bad game, he was unreal. Uh, and then we went and watched some of his games, but then I thought, why, why don't I just ask him? Because I've got his number, I've talked to him a couple of times, he's been always very, as you said, he's been always very helpful. Uh, he's a very uh, good guy. So I dropped him a message, asking that question, what? what can I do in order to be always there um, to have that consistency during all my season game, game in game out and his answer was was very clear but very honest that he said that he hated giving balls away even in in, in training he, he said that I would come out in training and think I'm not going to give any ball away today I'm going to make sure even in rondos, even in ball possessions where you have a lot of pressure uh, that I was in the right position I was making that first touch perfectly I was always giving the pass in the right area and with the right intention and during the games that just followed me through Like that mindset of, of making sure that during the training sessions I was always very critical with myself he said, even said that I was sometimes even too critical with myself but that allowed me to be always that consistent
2: so, so the, the, one of the things that I love that he said was yeah, yeah I've been watching you because he watches everything yeah. he's obsessive but he gave you a way... I think he was trying to say to you become... Well, he talked about, like, it was part of his upbringing and that it was more than just about with the ball. He was obsessive about not failing, never making mistakes. Yeah. That, that thing about being obsessive about not making mistakes, like in life, not just in football, it's a good thing. It can be a bad thing if you give yourself too much pressure. Things that are good can also be bad. But in your case, he was saying the way to concentrate more is to tell yourself... Every pass, every reception of the ball is treated like the last time I'll ever be given a football, right? Yeah. And the fact of hating
1: giving a ball away or hating making a mistake, kept him active, kept him always on, on, on his toes, kept him always wanting to do the right thing. This style of football, this, this philosophy of always having the ball make you have to play like that because mm. if, if, if you just take a simple pass or a forward pass as a one more. Um, then you're going to make more mistakes, but mm. always having to make the right one, receive it in the right areas, put the ball in the right place and with the right intention,
2: then it's, it's more unlikely that you give the ball away. So are you what Xavi would call, are you a pivote by nature?
1: I, f- I felt more comfortable in that position, but I also love uh, defending as well, so I'm, I'm in between those areas and getting into... The middle and, and trying to connect with with players. When I was able to play with um, some great players in the middle, like in Valencia, or even here in Southampton, and I'm behind them, and they're the more creative ones. I just give them the ball, and they can play between the lines, turn, create, put the last last pass. Uh, that's what I felt most comfortable. I do the dirty work, and they can they, they can do the creative one. But <laughs> I.
2: Does I'm not a big basketball fan and I think that football has stolen the word pivote from basketball, yeah, I think. Yeah. But my understanding of a pivote is that a pivote, a really good pivote does what you've described, but also circulates the possession too. And it, it felt certainly when I was watching you come through that you were equipped, certainly mentally and, and in terms of your use of your passing, to do both. That you could, okay, not be the 10 between the lines, um, but a pivote... Is kind of like the nerve center through which everything travels, and maybe ugly possession becomes good possession. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: and probably looking at the best matches or the matches I've enjoyed the most is the one that I, I, I touched the ball a lot, and of course I defended and I put I could put some tackles in and, and winning headers, but. Being able to circulate that ball, being able to touch it, to to be close to it, to attack again and again, and that's when I enjoyed it.
2: Does it feel in those moments that, that not like I'm the best, but this, this game is mine. Yeah. If you're on the ball, you're like, yeah, now there, and you're thinking that, and if I draw him and then...
1: Yeah, you control you control the tempo of the game, and then you can also see if the, the nauseous feeling is, okay, they're coming, they're coming to presses, but we're going to find an option, we're going to find solutions, because we're so synchronised that we're moving in a way that we always find either, I don't know, uh, the third man or one choose to get out of the pressure. Uh, And that feeling is amazing. It does not happen very often in this league because it it gets crazy and there's so many ups and downs, control a game for 90 minutes. It's really hard, but
2: but when that comes, it's a joyful moment. When you say it's crazy in this league, is that the feeling that a thousand things are happening a second instead of 500 things (laughs) per second? And that people swarm you, right? it's a bit the atmosphere of the game makes
1: makes it all chaotic makes it all uh whenever there is a guy with the ball and space in front the crowd is asking him to go forward to to dribble to uh whenever there is a chance of sh- shooting on on the goal you have to shoot, to shoot. <laughs> so um <laughs> it's about it it's nice it's it just i think that's why the 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 premier league is is a nice league to watch because you know that it's going to be entertaining you know there's, there's going to be movement ups and downs tackles flying around people trying to always attack and and sometimes you you've gone three times up and down i think Phew, i've
2: got no more oxygen left but you have to go again you obviously feel that you live in it it's it's your kingdom so i have to be respectful but i think sometimes you have to use a magnifying glass to see the quality yeah, there's lots of hurry, hurry, and there's lots of up and down. Mm. But sometimes you want to go to the opera instead of the circus. Yeah, in my opinion, and I'm not com- like for example, I didn't because I was traveling, I didn't get to see Manchester City, Liverpool mm. yesterday. And everybody says wonderful, wonderful. When I lived and worked here, I saw I saw fabulous football. I saw Bergkamp, I saw Schmeichel, I saw Zola, Vieira, schools, et etc. Now I look across and I think. Um, Teams are quicker. Teams are physically in better shape. Teams need less rest. The coaching is strategically really clever. Sometimes you have to, like, sieve in in California in 1890 looking for, "Ah, that's mud, that's mud. Okay, there's a little speck of gold.
1: That's what I look at. I I, I agree, but is that down to the players or is that down that um, every team now is a lot more... Uh, f- fitter, faster, stronger, organized, and it's hard to break them down because before you could see, as you said, this Bergkamp, um periods. Like we had Thierry and uh, my memories uh, uh, that I remember them. They were they were great, but but they had loads of spaces to attack. They had uh, they could receive between the lines, and the 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 team would be pff, in 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 three lines or four lines, and and they could exploited a lot more now every team is, is well prepared now we analyse matches every single time and then we see okay this is wrong we correct ready for the next one and everything is getting tighter and tighter that's why I think the number 10s are, are disappearing as well for yeah. people because they've got no space to live in they, you have to go from the wide areas you have to go even behind everything for the creative ones it's getting harder I have to say for the once that we do the dirty work, it's getting easier because it, it, it's like, like Xavi says it, or what the other says it, to attack a deep defending team, it's a lot more difficult than, than, than be, the, 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 be the Simeone. I know it's not easy, but uh, in a way, no, you don't need the technique to break the knot. I understand.
2: So, so, so often, the solution will be like we saw with City Simeone, where Reynaldo's mistake was not gigantic. But he goes for a ball he's not quite going to reach. And then his block leaves <laughs> this much space between his knee and his calf when he tries to kneel down. But Fine margins. The fine margins, but the fine margin is also going to be about who has got the player, who not in the 10 space, but 1v1. Who's got the moment of quality, a trick, a decision that's 1.5 seconds quicker than anybody else. The, these fine margins are, are still... They're about the same things as a number 10 used to do, but
1: done much more quickly. M- much more quickly, and I think I c- we can see the example from Grealish this season at City that it can be creative with Villa when the teams are not that deep and the teams are going to give you more spaces, but when you go to City and you know that you're going to have to break them down, you're not facing only one, one defender but two and sometimes three, uh, it's, it's really hard. And, and prob- I don't know but Kevin De Bruyne Fifteen, twenty years ago, would have been a joke of a player, and he still is right now.
2: A but joke of a player, meaning that he would look like a Ballon d'Or winner every single weekend and probably score twenty-five goals. Probably, that, yeah. that's
1: that's the way I I think right now. Doing what he does, it is deserves a lot more credit than it, it's. I don't like to compare areas and, and, and years because every everything is is down to a moment. Uh, but it is true that I feel those creative players are badly gone because hmm. the, the teams are a lot more organised right now
2: we've destroyed their environment like we're doing in the Amazon <laughs> we've just like the wild animals we've destroyed the, their probably, environment probably, yeah. I can't leave the idea of analysis with asking you more about I Still Reach. N- Not 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 secrets but again I think in life not just for wealthy footballers not all of us examine ourselves not all of us are open to help either hearing criticism or even asking. But if, if I understand correctly, you've got... Damian used to be in the academy in Mallorca, I think. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you've gone to somebody to say, like you did with chavi improve me or, or help me think differently or maybe it's better if you explain it <laughs> yeah. instead of me.
1: No, yeah, you were right. It's And I started working with him just a couple of years ago um, I was 29 and he was a friend of, of my agent who is a very my agent is, is like uh, my, my my father and he said to me I know this guy he's been working with my for a long time he is tactically he's he's very good but then he can also um, help you to understand a little bit more things add new things to your game and then I said okay I'll give it a try see how it goes and and then what we do is we, we watch our games every single action see not, not all of them, but see what whether there's a pattern that gets repeated too often and right, or you need, you need to watch this because that's not right, that's um, sometimes making you take the wrong decision and and I love it. I think it's it's one, as you said, a good thing to see whether you're doing something right or wrong and then being able to accept that that's wrong and you need to change it. Yeah. Um, that's the next step and then during the training sessions or during the week you, you try to change the way you receive the balls or the way you um, watch the game where you playing those passes. Can you play them in a different way? Can you can you talk to the striker and say whenever I get in the ball in this area, I want you to make that run because then we're going to be able to.
2: So people around you will be noticing the the difference since you and Damian began to discuss and analyze. Because if you're even if you're altering small habits, it affects left, right, you know, in front. Yeah. coach. Yeah. Probably, probably, yeah. I mean, I haven't told anyone, but uh,
1: probably they they can see different things. And then he can also see, uh, you can look at the stats, you can look at, at uh, all the number of things that, okay, when you get closer to this player, you, you feel yourself um, more comfortable or, or you, you can receive in better areas. Those, those details that sometimes we as players or either we don't see or we don't want to spend the time doing it,
2: yeah, um, and also you don't have a lot of mental time because it's it's train, travel, yeah. media, play, maybe uh, <laughs> see the family.
1: No, I agree. Having having someone that can help you out on this, it's really helpful.
2: Like a side brain. We'll come back to one guy who, who thinks the same as you in a minute. I, I, this is a bit more light hearted. We've got we've got good sponsors who support us all the time. Thank you, bet Three Six Five. They talk about the time across all your teams: Barcelona, Chelsea, Valencia. Stuttgart, Southampton. their challenge, if you accept it, is this. You can only pick one player from each time that this player has been part of the same squad as you across your entire career to choose your ultimate five-a-side team. <laughs> so you have to have trained or played with this guy. Not all-time, but Oreo Romeo all-time. At Barca, I have to choose Messi.
1: It's the best I've seen and I was lucky enough to play alongside him. So... Um, I won't
2: be the one I'm not in goals he, he's, he's up front, right? Uh, we, we can put him anywhere I think he'll be good <laughs> anywhere <laughs> I wrote a book about Barcelona It became a film Take the ball, pass the ball oh, yeah. We went to Qatar To, to speak to Chabi, yeah. And he actually I said it. I watched it Oh, you watched it So yeah. until uh, He's laughing So we talk about Messi as the goalkeeper And he said he'd like you and He probably He probably <laughs> can be the best at yeah. that too
1: No, I put him up front I put him up front Then uh, when I came, went to Chelsea We'll need a defender So I'll choose John Terry uh, Proper leader Great centre-back Make play. Next one was Valencia I, I love Parejo I love Parejo oh, Valencia I was
2: Let's right. hope he plays well in, in Bavaria yeah, Tomorrow night
1: yeah. We I love to see him playing in semi-finals And going forward with, with BRL Stuttgart I had the chance to, well, I had the chance to play With a couple of Players that I played uh, yesterday, Tony Rudiger and Timo Werner, they were at Zucca with me. We we'll need some speed with Messi, so we'll, we'll choose Timo Werner. Next one is Southampton. Throughout the seven years, I think I would choose uh, James Paul Prowse. He's been a great player to play alongside with. him. Amazing technique, one of the best, not the best, free kick takers I've ever seen. And,
2: it's a joy to watch him walking and, and, and preparing himself every single week. This isn't a trick, but obviously what was implied in the question is that you're the manager. So you've just given yourself a really big problem. Yeah, I know. Who takes the free kicks? Uh, and, and who's telling Messi that it's not him? <laughs> the manager should do really. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for accepting that responsibility. Okay. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true, Graham Hunter, and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us, at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here end of the lesson.